When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find a seat. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nell. Your Chip is with Blue Reef Acro Marketing out of Horton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing this morning? Doing well. How are you doing, Casey? Rough start this morning, man. I don't know what my deal was, but we got it. Finally, got it to roll out of my mouth. <laughs> couple, couple for the bloopers, real. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right, man. Uh, well, just talk a little bit about this week so far. We've had a hot week about everywhere in the, in the in the middle of the uh growing cycle and we've had the the uh pro farmer uh crop tour going on so let's sit with the with the crop tour first here I, to me i think when i look at this at this tour i think it was very anxiously awaited because of the back and forth with the usda yeah. that we've seen as well as you know the reports you get you know you got guys across the road from each other. One guy's got the best crop he's ever had. The next guy over here that's just a mile or two down the road has got a crop that he's not for sure if it's even going to be worth cutting. So I guess, uh, you know, we've had this whole thing come through. Chip, as you're taking a look at the results of the Pro Farmer Tour, what are your thoughts there? And do you think there's anything in it that is going to make the market significantly move over the next week? Well, I think the three things that jump out, there's three things, three things that jump out to me, and I think it is um, affecting the market somewhat. Um, 
the first thing that jumped out at me was that Illinois was as good as what they found, right? They, they had Illinois about a bushel above a year ago, mm-hmm. and we had a massive crop a year ago. Now, granted, you know, they're not covering the entire Corn Belt. They only cover about, you know, probably just slightly less than half of the state of Illinois, the northern half. Uh, some really good ground, and that's an area that received some really beneficial rainfall here in late July and the first uh, week or so of August. Uh, that's the first thing that jumped out at me, that Illinois was as good as they say it is, better than a year ago. Uh, the second thing that jumped out at me was how poor Nebraska, the western half of Iowa, and Minnesota are. Um, not good, you know, particularly Minnesota. That's the fourth largest corn growing state in the country and uh, did not look great to me. Um, the third thing that jumped out were pod counts, right? And mm-hmm. that is always, um, you know, a dicey subject, right? Because it's really hard to peg bean yields. In fact, that's why they don't try. They just do pod counts. But what you have with that is the the data from a year ago, and they put a three-year average out, and and they, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, some areas had really strong pod counts. Um, some areas that were, you know, on the drier side, like those areas of western Iowa and, and southern Minnesota, uh, had some pretty uh, anemic-looking pod counts. I think overall, though, um, and we're going to get those numbers, the, the entire data series, um, after the close today, and they put out their national average corn yield. But I think to me, it, it says that um, we're probably somewhere in the low 170s on corn. And I think the markets may be trading, uh, you know, kind of where the, the USDA put it out in uh, August. And that's kind of right in that 175 range. But uh, it, it, to me, it says maybe we can slip a little bit lower on bean yields. And there's just no margin for error on the balance sheet. Um, you know, we continue to sell beans. We're continuing to sell meal. Crush margins are like record high. So it's a margin business and the soybean crushers, end users, they're just going to keep buying beans to crush them all the way up to whatever, 15, 16, $18, if it's still profitable. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't rationed that demand yet. So that's the thing that out of the pro farmer, uh, the three things that hit me. Uh, and then of course, the other thing is this record heat that we're having yeah. uh, and it's been pretty dry. So you could still take maybe the top end off of uh, these corn yields, especially later planted corn, and there's a lot of it out there, and you know, see some uh, taken off the top on uh, bean yields as well. And so, you know, I think it maybe puts a little bit of a floor underneath of us with what they found. Uh, certainly, the next two weeks, I think, um, if it cools back down and we get some rain, maybe the market's going to assume that that crop's going to stabilize and can maybe get a touch bigger. If we go out, uh, you know, the rest of September and in the last uh, couple of weeks of August with no rain, you're probably going to have the market thinking we're going to shave the top end back off. So the weather still matters, but I think Pro Farmer Crop Tour at face value um, wasn't bearish compared to where the market was expecting. Maybe puts a little bit of a floor in on the setbacks and opens a door up that maybe beans could have some upside here if we continue to see um, dry weather in August in the first 10 days of September um, and, you know, September 12th is the next USDA crop report. And that's going to be a massive one because they do actual field surveys as well to kind of, you know, see if Mm -hmm. what pro farmer found is 
you know, consistent with what uh, what USDA is finding everywhere. Yep. So let's talk about soybeans for just a minute. So a lot of reports out of that uh, pro farmer tour, they were talking about um, pod count, and there's a lot of areas where the soybean pod count was in danger um, of actually seeing some stuff get aborted because of of heat and because of dryness that we've seen here this last couple of weeks, depending on where you're at, and, you know, different different stuff, different places. You watched the, the soybean market over the last couple of days, and you saw some pretty healthy jumps. You know, you 10, 11 cents a day type of thing, even a couple of days where it was, it was above that. Looking at the soybean market, Chip, are you – because it just seems like the corn market has hit a, at a stall point, and there's just nothing – there's no news that's going to move the corn market past where it's at right now. It's kind of bouncing back and forth between that, you know, that low 480s to, to mid to high, mid to uh, low to mid 490s as you watch it kind of slop around back and forth. Does the corn market need the soybean market to really explode so it can it can bring it up? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, the corn market, we're, we're trading more about the bean market and the wheat market than what's happening in the corn. Yeah. I, I, it seems like to your point that, we get down in the um, you know the four seventies and you uncover a lot of buying and some end user interest, but you get up closer to five bucks and you're seeing some selling pressure. Part of that I think is because the wheat market has just been a dog, an absolute dog. Now it is maybe showing some signs that the wheat's found a value area and at least stopped going down, maybe trying to build a base for a bottom. And if that would be the case, that could take a little pressure off a of corn. But to your point, I, I do think that beans are still a wild card in here. There's still good demand, even at, you know, near $14. We're continuing to sell beans. We're selling a lot of meal. And I mentioned those crush margins are just massive right now. And so the demand's still there. And, and you can argue that it, you know, it's tailed off in corn. Would not argue that myself. But I think maybe we've kind of traded a lot of that as well. So in order to get corn, you know, kind of bouncing in here, I do think uh, if beans would put a rally in north of 14 and, you know, maybe push up towards 14 and a half or higher, that would help drag corn along with it. Or if you get into, um, you know, the last part of uh, August and right ahead of the September crop report and we haven't got much more rain, I think the market will start assuming that, you know, we've shaved the top end off of yields and maybe we could drop corn to 170 or slightly under. And, and that becomes, you know, not wildly bullish, but something that maybe we're you know, too low if we're going to be at or below uh, 170. So that question is still out there. But yeah, there's just seems like there's not a lot of interest. The funds are comfortable holding their short position right now in corn and wheat. Uh, they're comfortable getting longer beans. And that seems to kind of be the trade right now. But if beans would take an extended rally here, you know, back uh, well north of 14, I think that's going to, you know, drag corn along with it, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Okay. All right. You brought up the wheat. Let's talk about wheat a little bit. Uh, Russia is doing everything it can to just basically isolate itself from the rest of the world when it comes to how its discussion with wheat. I mean, you had several, you know, Turkey and I can't remember who other countries were, but they got together and they're going to talk about, you know, with Russia sending, sending wheat into Africa and, and, and you know, kind of helping some of those humanitarian efforts that we see that we need to see happen in Africa as we, as we see food shortages and those kind of things pop up. And Russia kind of walked away from that deal saying like, well, not my problem. You guys figure it out. We're going to go back and do what we do. Um, as you look at this, man, is this this withdrawing from basically the world and becoming more and more isolated and then just laser focused on selling 
wheat, whoever wants to buy it for as cheap as they can sell it, and, and same with oil and those kind of things. To me, it looks like Russia has kind of hit a point of we're going to make, start making some tough decisions about either some kind of a peace agreement or something grander than what we've already been doing, I guess. So I guess what's your thoughts there and then the impact that you see on wheat from it? Yeah, it's such a wild card out there, Casey. So many moving yeah. moving gears. I, I think that uh, Russia, first on the on the Black Sea deal, um, you know, Russia, it, it benefits Russia because they're still putting stuff out on the market. Yeah. Uh, other countries will buy their wheat. They still have wheat for sale. Now, insurance and transportation costs have skyrocketed. So all it's doing is just transferring, um, you know, that to the to the end user and making that wheat that much more expensive. They don't have a never ending supply either. And right. so at a certain point, they're going to have put out on the world what they, you know, have in far as supplies and things are going to start tightening up. And you may have already started to see that a little bit. Um, whether, I mean, it does seem like the narrative, I don't even watch the news at night. Um, you know, I don't think that's even uh, remotely close to the truth, but you know, you, you can, yeah. you can kind of see through the headlines, um, that the narrative starting to change a little bit, right? Like. Would not surprise me that they're positioning for some sort of, of of peace in Ukraine. Now, immediately that would be maybe a little bit bearish to wheat because Marxists can think, oh, everything is great, and you know Ukraine's going to bounce back, have this massive crop, and blah blah blah. But the reality of the situation, in my opinion, is that it's going to take a long time, you know, to get back to normal, whatever normal is over there. In the meantime, Russia continues to bomb uh, export facilities, grain terminals. Um, you know, the Danube River terminals, uh, which is, you know, one of the only other ways that Ukraine can get um, grain and supplies out of the country through Europe. Uh, they continue to bomb those. They bombed some earlier this week or over the weekend. And so they're not going to let up. They're going to make it as difficult as possible for Ukraine uh, to export what they have. And let's not forget that, um, you know, they're planting essentially a half of a normal crop or probably uh, less than half of a normal crop in, in Ukraine. So they're, they're not going to have uh, a huge supply to put out anyway. On top of that, you've got all these issues popping up very quietly. China's had horrible growing season. They're on the same, uh, you know, Northern hemisphere schedule as we are. They've had everything, massive record flooding, record heat, yeah. record drought. They don't have a good crop. There's no way they can, even though they're going to lie and tell you it's record. Uh, it's not. Uh, their actions already tell you that with the amount of beans they're uh, importing out of uh, Brazil and still buying our beans, by the way, at $14. Um, so that's a problem. Argentina, it's their winter time frame, right? Um, they haven't fixed their drought problem. They raise a fair amount of wheat. That's probably somewhat in jeopardy. And there's some dry pockets popping up in Australia. So the market hasn't even begun to think about that. They just think, well, Russia's got this never-ending supply of wheat. They're putting wheat out, keeping prices down. That is true, and that's been part of the uh, the issue with the wheat market. But you could wake up one day, and the wheat market would all of a sudden have a different feel, um, and you know, like it got a lot tighter in the world, and that might be what is the final straw that pushes these funds out of their massive short position and causes a big rally in wheat. I don't think that's days away. It might be weeks to, um, you know, two, three months away. But the first thing that has to happen is wheat has to stop going down. And it may have, you know, entered into that phase this week and last week. Uh, we'll have to see how we close this week and kind of act next week. But the wheat market is kind of showing some signs that maybe it found value 
stop going down. And then the next process is we kind of base for a little while and then try to rally if we get some bullish news that the market focuses on. Yep. Sounds like a uh, lot of stuff to worry about there. So, all right, let's talk about, let's jump over and talk about what's happening in energy market. And as you take a look at two things, one is if you take a look at what's happening in natural gas, natural gas has kind of just been there. It's not really done anything since it's a huge run up and then, you know, subsequent run back down after COVID, after we saw this big worry about natural gas. As you take a look at what you see happening in, um, Oil right now, oil got broke out of the of the seventies and it's been doing the exact same thing it was doing the seventies and the eighties, kind of bouncing around in that that mid to mid to high eighties um, range as you're looking through that. As you look at oil and natural gas, Chip, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, as you look at the oil market, I think that drives a lot. Natural gas matters, but that seems to be you know kind of a secondary uh, thought, and and I think that the oil market. Um, you know, has shown signs that we've got some issues here and could maybe push up into the mid to upper 80s, uh, you know, potentially going into the winter time frame. Now, I, I do think there's a lot of outside market influences going on. We've got the Jackson Hole meeting uh, going on, uh, I believe, even today. Um, so Federal Reserve Chairman Powell is going to be speaking. Uh, there's a Fed meeting in September. The market's very mixed on whether they're going to uh, continue to raise rates or take kind of a pause approach. Um, I think that they've told you all along what they're going to do. And, um, I don't know why they pause. They, you know, the economy still looks, uh, quote unquote, good on paper. Now you've also seen some rumblings out of China and some issues there. They've been kind of making some currency moves that has caused a little bit of a disruption here. And that's caused, um, the crude oil market and the energy markets to pull back just a little bit. It caused the, co- the grain markets to pull back a little bit last week on these Chinese fears. Are they going into this massive recession? But, um, there's such a controlled, um, you know, communist country, they're not going to let the ship go down that easily. And so what they're going to do, they're going to throw everything they've got at their economy to try to keep it growing. And that could be actually stimulating long term. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts here in the financial side that's affecting um, the energy markets as well as our grain and livestock markets. Uh, that may continue to add some volatility going forward. But to me, it looks like, uh, you know, barring some sort of massive uh, economic meltdown across the world that the path of least resistance for the energy markets, crude oil in particular, <clears throat> looks to me like it's higher, maybe getting up into the upper 80s, a challenge in 90, you know, by the end of the year or in the first quarter. And all that's going to do is just continue to fuel inflation fan, you know, fears. Mm-hmm. And it might become a little bit friendly for our corn and bean market, right? Because mentioned crush margin, ethanol margins are okay. They're still grinding, you know, a fair amount on corn, hitting the numbers we need to. Our renewable diesels exploding, and the crush margins are massive. So if you continue to, you know, slowly grind these energy markets higher, crude uh, and unleaded in particular, that's just, you know, going to be another bullish factor potentially for the bean market and corn uh, as a kind of a lesser impact. So very much matters, but there's a lot of you know, volatile moving pieces. I, I We've continued to say it, but there's just so many moving parts here that it's just impossible to predict. The world economy, the you know, the war in Ukraine, obviously weather here with our grains and yeah. just so many things going on and it causing this volatility. Look at beans yesterday is a quiet day. We had three round trips from the low to the high. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it is a choppy time frame out here in all these markets right now. 
for sure. All right, Chip, good stuff as usual. Folks, I want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at our office. Uh, that number is 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. A lot going on. A lot of crop insurance decisions right now potentially as well with how that figures into your uh, risk management plan depending on where you're at and what your yields are. So love to chat with you. Give us a call. Right on, man. Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Casey. Have a good weekend. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel to see the video version of this podcast there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and movingironllc.com. That is for everything Moving Iron related. And we uh, get all the, the different blog posts and all the fun stuff that's up there. So check that out. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. It's going to be folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.